Welcome to the Healthy Hormones for Women podcast. I'm your host, Samantha Gladish, online nutritionist, weight loss coach, and hormone fixer-upper. I'm excited to bring you a weekly dose of information and inspiration, sharing with you simple and effective strategies from health, wealth, and all things personal growth. Get ready to become the master of your hormones and experience vibrant health to live a life of more power and possibility. Happy Tuesday and welcome back. I hope your week is off to an amazing start. I'm really excited for our episode today. I am interviewing my friend, Lesha, who has lost over 110 pounds. She's birthed two children. She's been through adrenal burnout, has gone through sugar addiction, and has incorporated a clean keto diet approach to really supporting and balancing her hormones and supporting her weight loss journey. And as a very busy mom, she's got lots of tips and strategies to share with other women and other mothers out there. So it's a really great episode. We're diving into some really great tips for giving up sugar and some strategies for hormone regulation. As a full-time mom and business owner, what are some simple strategies that you can do to really address adrenal burnout? We also talk about the scale weight and how the scale doesn't always give us the full picture when it comes to our weight loss journey, which is definitely something that I talk about with all of my clients. And I have to remind everybody, whether you're in my reset program or you're working with us one-on-one, you know, the scale really doesn't give the full picture. And the scale isn't going to take into account water retention and hormonal fluctuations and sodium retention. All of that plays a role. So you might step on the scale in the morning and be one weight. And I promise you, if you step on the scale six hours later the same day, there's a good chance your weight might go up. And so we can't always take that at face value. Now, obviously, working with clients online, it is important that I know week by week what their weight looks like because I can't physically see them in person. So I use it as a gauge, but I also have my clients do their measurements, which is really important too, because sometimes, again, it's not just the weight loss from the scale weight, but it's also those inches um, that we're shedding too that we often neglect and we and we neglect to do those measurements. Um, so we, we talk about a lot and why weight isn't just about food and fitness and it goes so beyond the food that's on our plate. And we talk about mindset. It really is such a great episode and I think you guys are really going to love it. And speaking of adrenal fatigue, some of my favorites, my products that I love and that I use day to day, magnesium is a really big one. I don't think I've ever missed taking my magnesium supplementation. I use a magnesium biglycinate. CanPrev has actually released some really great magnesium powders and they're flavored. So if you're looking to make like a warm drink at night, that could be a really great option. Magnesium really is an amazing way to unwind and to basically give your body like a deep sigh of relief. That's what happens when you take magnesium. And so I love taking it at night because it does assist with sleep. It's not going to make you sleepy, FYI, if you do take it during the day. In fact, some women might need some extra magnesium right before their cycle or while they are on their cycle. If you are experiencing a lot of mood swings and sleep disturbances and some cramping, you might need some extra magnesium. It could be really helpful for that. So I love the Camprev. They're, they have an ultra gentle drink mix. 
mix. And it's called Ultra Gentle because it's a magnesium by glycinate. And by glycinate, that specific form of magnesium is really gentle on the bowels. Versus if you take like a magnesium citrate, it's going to have a little bit more of an impact with bowel tolerance and um, could cause some loose stools. So just an FYI. Um, But they have some really great flavors. There is a blueberry. I think it's their juicy blueberry. The one that I have been drinking is a tropical fruit punch. And that's the one that I like. So I just warm it up at night. I just pour some warm water in there and I drink it at night. You can, of course, take capsules as well. Sometimes I take the capsules uh, as well if I don't want to have too much liquid before bed. And I typically take about 400 milligrams before bed. Uh, So again, everybody is so bio-individual and different before your period. And during during your period, you may need to uh, increase that dose just a little bit and just play around with that and see what really works for you, especially too, if you have migraines and headaches, magnesium can be really essential for that. So that is so essential. This mineral, when it comes to supporting adrenals and supporting hormones and health overall, magnesium is really, really essential. So I love my magnesium by glycinate. And then you guys know, I've talked about this product before, the Adrenal Chill. That is one of my go-tos. It's also a product from Canprev. And it does have some ashwagandha in there, which is an amazing adaptogenic herb. And so it's really great. What adaptogens mean is that it helps your adrenals adapt better to stress essentially is what it means. So it's providing your adrenals a nourishment so that when you are dealing with stress, your adrenals have that nourishment to to better handle the stressors that's coming coming its way. So it is a the type of ashwagandha that is in adrenal chill is a clinically proven KSM66 ashwagandha. And I know that sounds like a mouthful, but basically it's a really specific blend um, or type of ashwagandha. And it's been clinically proven to really help with stress and anxiety levels. And there's also some L-theanine in here, which is really great for stress and anxiety as well and really calming the body. Again, it's not gonna make you sleepy. I like to take mine midday uh, is when I like to take mine. And um, I will sometimes take that with some B vitamins during the day as well, around sometime between like 2 and 4 p.m. Whenever you have that like energy crash during the day, that's a good time to take your adrenal supplements. Uh, So that's how I do it. So adrenal chill from Canprev, magnesium biglycinate, whether you're doing powder or capsule form also from Canprev, um, but there's all kinds of great companies that you can check out there. Those are definitely my go-to as well as some B vitamins when it comes to stress and incorporating. I just love to incorporate a lot of adaptogenic herbs, whether I'm doing that through supplement form or whether I'm doing that through tea form. Um, they can really, really be really helpful for really helping with hormonal recovery and just restoring hormonal health. Um, And then also, I just want to plant the seed here for anybody that is specifically looking for vegan products, certified vegan products, I highly recommend you check out some products from Garden of Life. They are USDA certified organic. They are non-GMO project certified. And they have an amazing lineup in their My Kind Organic uh, supplements. And so they've got some great gummies and they have kids multis in gummies. They got some great herbals. They have some multivitamins for both men and women. And then they do have some targeted nutrients. So B12, vitamin D3, if you're looking for these 
in a vegan source, then definitely check out Garden of Life. A really popular product of theirs is their plant iron. So I do have some clients that are currently pregnant right now, and it's been a little bit hard in terms of tolerating certain irons and forms of iron, and they've been using a vegan iron. It's been working really well for them. So they are using the plant iron and herb blend from Garden of Life. And that's a really great product. It has all the cofactors in there that's going to help with the absorption of iron and it's all plant-based. So if you are looking for something vegan, then that could be a really great option for you. So when it comes to CanPrev and Garden of Life products, you can pretty much find these across, uh, at least with Garden of Life, they are available in the US and across Canada. CanPrev is mainly here in Canada, but you can order CanPrev online from some different health food stores, from online virtual stores, and they do ship to the US. So um, they're really available, uh, pretty readily available across health food stores. And uh, definitely go and check those brands out. There's some really, really great companies. Okay, so let's dive into our episode today. Let me introduce you to Lesha. She's the founder of Eat Be Fit Explorer, the BSB tribe, and host of the Fit Mom Squad podcast. She has a bachelor degree in nutrition and dietetics and has always had a passion for nutrition and health. She's lost over 110 pounds in between pregnancies following a holistic approach to nutrition and now helps busy women do the same with her membership program, the BSB Tribe. Enjoy the episode. Let's dive in. Hi, Lesha. Welcome to the podcast. I am so excited to have you here today. Finally, our listeners don't know we tried to connect back at like the height of COVID when Zoom was very overloaded and we had like the worst tech connection, but you're here now, which is so amazing. So before we dive in, can you share with our audience more about who you are and what you do? Yes. Well, hi. So glad to see you again. Mm -hmm. Glad it's working out this time. Really happy to be here. My name is Lesha. I am a nutritionist and a mompreneur. My story kind of started back in college, I guess. So I studied to be a dietitian because I was always having weight loss issues when I was younger. And so I thought if I go study to be like how to be a dietitian, then I'll know it all and I'll know how to figure out my weight loss issues. But unfortunately, what I was taught in school was, you know, to lose weight, you need to just eat less and move more, just eat low calorie foods and eat all the grains and all the things and fat was bad. So I never had any luck with weight loss until I started going out on my own and kind of researching. And there was like none of this stuff around the internet now that like everybody has, there's so much information. We kind of know the truth now. So I studied to be a dietitian, came out of college ended up going a completely different route because I was like, I do not believe this crap. Coconut oil is bad. Nonsense. I will not be telling people that coconut oil was bad. They started going really obsessed with coconut oil. So I became a health inspector instead, (laughs) like checking restaurants. Right. And it was fun. I was really good at it because I'm just like, I love the enforcement side of that. But I was just not really fulfilled because I did have a passion for nutrition and health and wellness. So then I got married, had kids, had my first baby, gained a ton of weight, 50 pounds. And I was like trying to lose it all with just like still looking back in my textbooks, you know, like, what do I have to do? Count calories. Like, I know I, I know this doesn't work, but I'm going to do it. Did not work. Then I had a friend that told me about low carb keto diet. 
And this was like 2015. So this is not even a thing yet. Like nobody knew what it was. Yeah. I thought it was insane eating fat and cutting carbs and losing weight. But I was so desperate to just get back to my normal body, sure. to my normal weight that I just like went for it. And I lost all my baby weight. It was amazing. It worked so well. So I was like, okay, great. I found the thing, you know, the one thing. But of course, like everyone else, I kind of just like forgot about it, went back to my old habits, got pregnant again and gained 60 pounds. This time I was like, I'm going to keto, straight keto right after I have this baby because I tried doing keto pregnancy, but I could not manage the cravings. So I did, lost all my weight and it was great. Everything was great. Everyone was like, ask me, how did you lose all the weight? So I decided to start an Instagram and then a blog and then a membership. But this year, or actually last year now, 2019, yeah, I'm like, I forget the years. I know. I started gaining weight and lots of it. I gained like 20 pounds and I was like, WTF, I was eating very clean. I was not, you know how like, I feel like keto has become this like, oh, look at this keto junk food thing. Look at this keto junk food. Yeah, Drink totally. the ketones, eat the package food. I did none of that and I never did any of that, but I still was gaining weight. And I was like, what is going on? So I started getting tested. I started getting all my hormones tested, started getting my gut tested. I did all the things, spent thousands of dollars to realize, to find out that not only did I have high cortisol, I had what I thought I had thyroid issues. So I was put on thyroid medication only to find later that it wasn't a thyroid issue. It was an estrogen issue. So then I found out I had estrogen dominance. It was like every single, every month it was a different hormone, right? Right. My gut was a mess. All the things with a mess. And the underlying issue was just stress. Stress with, from motherhood, from entrepreneurship, for all the things. So then I, then it hit me like, oh my gosh, I was so focused on just keto and like working out and did not look into the hormones, did not look into the gut, did not look how the body works together and how everything has to do with everything. And it just snowballs and it completely transformed the way I, the way I run my business, the way I teach my clients and just what I'm working on myself right now. I'm just on the journey back and learning and experimenting and helping other women go through it as I go through it myself. That's a really amazing story. Well, I appreciate you being so honest and open about that. I mean, you birthed two children and you lost over 110 pounds between that. Like that's that's a huge accomplishment. So you should really acknowledge yourself for that. I think we often forget to acknowledge ourselves for that. So, okay, a few things. You mentioned that you went back to your old ways. What does that mean? I feel like no one ever really dives into like, into that. We talk about like what we did moving forward, but what was it? Like, what did your old ways actually look like? So when I mean old ways, I think it happens a lot with women. We get into this mindset when we have weight to lose, we think, okay, I have this weight to lose. I want to lose it. I'm going to go on X diet. I'm going to do this diet to lose X amount of weight. When I'm done, I'm going to go back to, I'm quoting here, air quotes, normal, my normal way of eating. Right. And that was me. So my normal way of eating was like, okay, I'm going to go back to just eating carbs. I'm going to go back to once in a while eating sugar, but once in a while turned into regularly Mm -hmm. eating carbs sometimes turned into daily because I did not have a strategic way of eating 
that fit into my lifestyle that was not only satisfying, but also was keeping my weight off or helping me maintain my weight loss. It was a very all or nothing approach because I was thinking of keto as a diet, as a quick fix, just to lose the baby weight. And then I wanted to be normal. But what is normal, right? What do we define normal these days? The standard American diet, because that is not normal. It's become, people think it is, but it's not. So when I say back to my old ways, I just like never established a plan that fit into my life that made me feel good, wasn't restrictive, didn't deprive me. I just thought, I just want to do this. Like I'm going to white knuckle it and lose my weight. You know, even though it really, it's really hard right now, I'm just going to do it because I have to lose the weight. And then once I lose the weight, I'll just relax. But that of course just leads to gaining your weight back. Right. Absolutely. Okay. I love that you broke that down and explained that. So you mentioned that you were dealing with a lot of hormonal imbalances, adrenal issues and cortisol and estrogen dominance, and you were diving into gut health, like all of the things. So once you started to learn and see where these other imbalances were showing up, like what were the steps that you took? Where, where did you first dive in to start this healing process? So it was really hard because I just felt so overwhelmed. And like when you were on my podcast, we were talking about this. It's like when you have all these hormone issues and these gut issues, like where do you start? Mm -hmm. So I was, my mindset was, okay, like what's the lowest hanging fruit? I know that cortisol is the culprit, but cortisol is not like a switch on and off or like overnight or you take a supplement and your cortisol is normal. It's such, it's a process. It's a longer process. So I knew that was going to take a long time. So I was like, well, what can I do now? Okay. So what I really started was I looked at my food and I looked at what is it that I'm eating now that's disrupting my gut. So dairy, I still had some dairy in my diet. So I eliminated that. I completely decided to cut all sugar, like all sugar. So I said, 2020 is zero sugar. I got two more months left. That's insane. Good for you. But I don't think I'm going to be like, oh my God, New Year's Eve, midnight, where's the chocolate? <laughs> right. Like maybe I will. I don't know, but that's not my plan. So I really looked at like, let me start with what can I do? Okay. I've already spent thousands on tests. Okay. So I didn't want, I did supplement, but I didn't want to just every single supplement that was recommended, just buy all the supplements, start paying for all these things. It's like, what can I start in my home? By myself, what can I change? And that was, first of all, nutrition, looking at what foods make cortisol worse, sugar, gluten, dairy, all the things, and the gut. But those kind of are connected too. So it's like if you do those things for one, you kind of hit the other. And then for the estrogen, when I found out about the estrogen dominance, that was easier for me because I knew about the conventional meat. I had found out about that. But you know what? I've been eating a lot of conventional meat. Because A, grass fed super expensive. B, my husband doesn't like the taste. What a weirdo. I don't understand. <laughs> like, he's like, I don't like the taste. How oh, this tastes? I'm like, because you're so used to the conventional crap meat. But anyway, so it's like, uh, we ate a lot of conventional meat. And I was like, okay, I either need to cut it down and just cut my meat consumption in general down, or, you know, be very strategic of when, what kind I eat, what has more hormones and less you know, things like dry brushing, I started doing that. I started thinking about where am I exposing myself to toxins? I was not paying attention to toxins ever. I was obsessed with those like plug in bath and body works, air fresheners that you put, I would put in like every room of my house. 
because I want it to smell nice. I mean, I have two kids. It gets pretty stinky, <laughs> up, right? So I was doing that. I was, you know, like these little things with toxins and creams and, and perfumes and makeup. So I started thinking about what can I do? What little changes can I make to, to a, like kind of low-hanging fruit? Totally. And then from there, I would do, I did a lot of supplements. And it was, it's kind of hard with supplements because it's like trial and error. Like, especially if you take too many at once, you kind of don't know what's working, what's not, because you're just kind of like yes. throwing it all in there. For sure. So I tried to be really strategic. It's like, okay, I'm going to try this cycle of, you know, the adrenal stuff and then this cycle of like the gut stuff and that, and just kind of give my body a break, but also, you know, experiment. It's really all I kept doing. And I'm still experimenting, but with the stress, it's so hard because it's like, I don't think I could ever get rid of my stress unless I shut down my business and like someone takes my kids. For, for sure. Like <laughs> for so sure. For me, it was like, what can I start? Little changes. Can I maybe start getting into a meditation that isn't so overwhelming? You know, can I substitute? I sold my freaking Peloton. That's mm-hmm. what I did. Wow. I feel like I need to do a podcast episode about that. You totally I sold my Peloton. I had a Peloton like before I got like, be- I was like one of the first people to do it. And I was on that thing every morning, just raising my cortisol, raising my cortisol. Yeah. Yeah. And it's very high like, intensity. Yes. So I was gaining weight on the Peloton guys. Oh man. Weight. So I'm like, I mean, had to make the decision to sell it. So it was just those little things, just process of elimination. I do this, I'll do this, I do this, and just keep doing, keep trying, keep trying, keep experimenting until I get it to like figure it out. It's a really powerful message because I know so many of us are like, tell me the one thing, you know, like I'm sure you probably get tons of direct messages on Instagram. I do myself. It's like, what supplement do I take? What's the diet that I take? Why am I not losing weight? And I'm like, it is so much more complex than that. Do you have five hours? Yeah, basically, you know, I, it's, I can't just give you a, a one word response. And if that's also how you're going to look at it, you're just going to keep repeating this cycle over and over and over and over again of like looking for the next thing, looking for the next thing and the quick fix. And it just, it doesn't work that way. Right. So yeah, I really appreciate you sharing that. It's very similar to like my story where I was in an adrenal burnout and was going to orange theory classes for like three months and just would come home and crash on the couch. Like it exhausted me. So I'm assuming like, did you probably feel like that after your Peloton rides? Like you were just like, I'm tired. Yeah. So it was, it was funny. Cause it was like, some days I'd be like on this high, you know, the drug, cause you still have those. Here's what's tricky about cardio. You get those endorphins, yes. right? You get those feel good chemicals. So you think like, Oh my God, this is helping me. But then it's later where you're like, why am I so drained? Uh, yeah. Mine would come later because again, it's like, okay, that's it. I'm out. My mom, I got kids. I'm running around. Doesn't hit me until it's like eight o'clock at night. And I'm like, I am wiped out, like carry me to bed. So that would happen to me. And then some days it was so bad that I couldn't even get on or like I'd get on and I couldn't even keep up with the instructor. And I felt like, what is wrong with me? Like, why am I so lazy? Why am I so out of, and then it was like the guilt and the shame beating myself up because I couldn't keep up all of the things. And I was like, wait a minute, there's something going on here. This is not normal, you know? And it was like a really big, like red flag for me to be like, hold up, what am I doing here? Mm -hmm. 
Well, that's so great that you were able to see it that way and do this like process of elimination. And it takes, it takes time. Like so many of my clients that, especially when I do their Dutch testing and whatnot, like they're on adrenal protocols for a year and they're like, what? I have to do this for a year. I'm like, yeah. Like, what did you think? Four weeks and that's it. Like it's just gone and you're, you're healed and fixed. It doesn't work that way. Like, especially when there's some serious cortisol dysregulation, it's at least a good 12 month commitment. So, okay. Sugar. Let's, let's dive in there because you're on this amazing (laughs) sugar-free kick right now. You've basically given up sugar for a year. Like, how did you do that? So I'm a very like, uh, I'm all or nothing, just do it or don't do it. Right. And, And sometimes it's bad. Like I try to get myself out of that when it comes to like dieting and like stuff. But when it comes to things like sugar there, I feel like there's people that are abstainers and there's people that are moderators. So moderators are people that like, they can have it once in a while and it's okay. They're not going to go like into a spiral where they have to binge on the sugar, but they're not going to start thinking about it for days. Like that's my husband. He's a moderator. He's like, I can make something or like a dessert can sit there for like a month and he'll just walk by. I don't feel like it. I am an abstainer. I cannot have it. When it's there, I need to eat it all. (laughs) So I realized I was in denial for a long time that I was addicted to sugar. So I realized that the only way to be a sugar addiction is to quit sugar. Mm -hmm. It's just like drugs. It's just like everything else. You can't just have a little bit. This is not like, let's wean you off the dose. No, you have to give it up. And it was very, very hard for me. But once 2020 started, I was thinking about, you know, everybody just like everyone else, like what's going to be my new year's resolution this year. And I didn't want it to be a cliche, lose 10 pounds. Right. Cause like holiday weight. Okay. I'm going to lose this holiday weight. I want it to be more meaningful. And I was like, what am I really struggling with? What is something that I feel that is like really has a hold on my life and I can't seem to let it go. And that was sugar for me. I would go, I would be really well do months and months without it. And then an event or a party or something or a holiday, and I'd have a bit, and then I'd go off the rails, and all I would think about is sugar. Right. So I decided I needed to just cut it just for a year, just do an experiment to try to figure out how do you quit sugar, how to get through the mental blocks, and I committed to it. And also what I did was like, I told everybody, I told my social media, I told my (laughs) followers, I told my family, because when you put it on the world and you tell people you're quitting something, you'll see how they're going to watch you. Hey, how's that going? Yeah, totally. are you going to eat that? Heck no, I'm not going to eat that. (laughs) You know, and it's like that accountability really helped because there are times, there's been time this, this year that I was confronted with the sugar and I was so tempted. We were traveling or things like that. And, and I was like, that is like, I'm not going to break this. I've been going so long. What am I going to go to everyone? Like, oh yeah, I was in Mackinac Island and I couldn't resist the donut. That's so pathetic. <laughs> you know, I just like had these conversations in my head, but I realized the hardest part was like the first few months. That was when I legit was having withdrawals. For sure. Headaches, um, just like constantly thinking about sugar, um, just like, wiry, like legit, it was scary. And it made me realize, holy crap, how addicted I was. Yeah. It is an addiction. It's eight times more addictive than heroin. And people don't think about that because it's allowed, it's sold everywhere. 
right? Okay. It should be banned, but it's sold everywhere. So it, getting through those initial two months was really difficult. Once I got through that, my cravings were gone. Mm-hmm. I legit do not crave sugar. The only time I want sugar is when I see it, obviously, smell it. I'm around it. Of course, you know, this nostalgia, the memories. I can't just wipe my brain out, right? I wish I could, like, erase all the sugar. (laughs) Like, it's like a baby. The first time they have sugar, their reaction, and then they want it and all the things. So for me, it was getting through that initial stage. And now, like, when people, when my clients tell me about their sugar cravings and all that, I'm like, I honestly do not know anymore what that's like because I do not experience that anymore. And it's just so freeing, which is why I'm like, I think I want to continue just because not being like addicted and having that toll on you to like need it all the time. It's just so empowering. Mm-hmm. Very freeing for sure. So when you say like sugar, do you mean like you didn't eat fruit or like no stevia, raw honey, like nothing like that? So my only exception is berries. I'll, I do eat berries. And um, stevia is the only sweetener because it's a natural leaf sweetener that I consume. So again, it's like I say no sugar and I have those guidelines because again, you know, there's literally sugar and everything Yes, that that doesn't say that I haven't been like sugar. You know how people say I've been gluten like they don't think something has gluten and it's gluten. I'm sure there's something this year that had sugar at some restaurant, some sauce, even though right. I ask and some, I'm, a, yeah. I'm that person, you know, that asks. I'm sure I've had some type of sugar, but me, like my choices is I will do just berries sometimes. And that's even like, I limit it. And Steve, those are like my rules for no sugar. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you for breaking that down because I think people think when you say sugar, like, oh my God, like she didn't even have natural sugars or no fruit. And yeah, I think it's important that if you're going to do something like that, you got to be clear on like what your boundaries are around it and you know what sugar free means to you but at the same time it's important to know that yeah raw honey maple syrup like sure is a quote unquote natural sweetener it's still going to spike your blood sugar it's still going to have an impact on your cravings yeah so that's why i avoid those but i i don't avoid berries because it's like i would have to eat a lot of berries for my blood sugar to spike right and i tested it so i know my limit so I'm just trying to avoid that threshold where I get the cravings. So yeah, that's those foods help me stay under that. Totally. Plus, you're getting fiber, you're getting antioxidants, which is all really important, right? So, so, so that's important. Okay, so let's talk about your morning routine because you are a busy mom and you've got two little ones probably running around. How old are your kids actually? So the oldest just turned five, and the second one's going to be three in December. So we've got wow. Couple of months here. Yeah. yeah. So you're busy. Mm-hmm. I can only imagine what 2020 has looked like for you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's probably been crazy. So I'd love to dive into your morning routine. You know, you're a busy mom, you're trying to manage stress, run a business, support your health, all of the things. What does that look like for you? So my morning routine has really been my saving grace to my sanity this year, especially. And I always wanted to have a morning routine. I always want to be that person to wake up early and work out and do the things. And so I really dove into morning routines, read all the books. Like, I'm like, okay, I'm going to do this. I started a morning routine. I was very good at it for like a couple of months. And then I just slowly like one got sick, the other got sick, this Mm -hmm. happened, that happened. So things kind of spiraled up. So what I realized was like, 
I need to pick some, and I think that that's something that my clients also have a problem with is like, I need to pick something that is like doable, that is helpful, gives me that time, but isn't so like strict. And so like, oh my God, if I don't do it, that's it. It's like the end of the world and I just need to give up. So it kind of changed. So when I started this crazy gung-ho morning routine, it was like, I woke up at 5 a.m. I would go work out for like 30 to 40 minutes. I would meditate for like 30 minutes and then I would do my journal. So I'd like, I have a gratitude journal and then I would read for like 20 minutes and then I would do um, like a goals journal. And then so I kind of had like my peace and quiet before they woke up. Then it turned into like, okay, I cannot get up at five anymore. So I started getting up at like six and seven. And then I like stopped the workout because the cortisol and then I would do this. So now I'm just at the point. It's like, okay, let's just be a little more realistic. And what is manageable? And what is something that I could flow with that is like a requirement? So here's how I do my morning routine. What things do I do in the morning that if I do them, it sets up my whole day for success? There's always the same type. There's like three or four. The first is meditation. As much as everyone says, oh, meditation, meditation. Oh, it's so woo -woo weird. It has been a game changer for me. My friend introduced me to Holosync and it's like a, a audio meditation that like triggers your brain waves and it's like sends, it's so crazy. It like makes, it gets you in like a monk state of meditation. And it like half the time it uses, um, I don't even know the science behind it. Brain, brain waves. Yeah. Alpha, waves alpha stuff, beta. Yeah. Yes, right, yes, right, right. yes. So the music, and it's like raindrops. It's like so weird. I'm like, this is so weird, but it works. So I wake up legit. Like I wake up, my alarm goes off at 4.30 and mm-hmm. I just- Wait a minute. <laughs> I know, right, right. Well, I don't really get up at 4.30. My alarm goes off at 4.30. I'm in bed. I grab my ear pods. I turn on the hollow sink and I play, it's an hour long. So it's a big commitment. Whoa, that is a yeah. big commitment, especially at that time in the morning. Yes. And like most of, sometimes I fall asleep. Sometimes I don't, but it's okay. That's not the point. You're still getting it because it's still going in your brain. So I do that. And then I wake up. Sometimes I'll sleep a little longer. So it's usually between six to seven. I'm up. Then I go down and now that like, I kind of switch my workout routine and I have a trainer now that I work with during the day. I'm trying to do more of like relaxing stretching rather than extreme cardio and hit like I used to do. I have cortisol issue, meaning my cortisol is already high in the morning. So if I'm like going to start doing hit and cardio, it's only going to raise it. Right. So I try to do some kind of yoga, stretching, that type of thing. Then I go in and I have my non-negotiables, which is my five minute gratitude journal, my reading. And then I got this like daily stoic meditation that puts me in the right mindset. And then just like, having my journal talking about what are my goals? What do I want to do today? And it's just, just having peace before the chaos, because anytime I get up with my children, it is chaotic. They're screaming, they're running all over the place. I feel behind. I didn't have time to think. I didn't have time to plan my day. It's chaotic. So the, for the women that are listening that are moms, even if you literally have 15 minutes 20 minutes to wake up earlier than your kids to do something for yourself, to get your brain right, to get your mind right, to focus on what do I want out of this day? It is going to be game changing. I'm sure there's a lot of moms that are like, I am not waking up at 4.30. And you don't have to, you don't have to. I do that only because I want that meditation has changed my life so drastically in like the five, six months that I started it. 
that I know it is worth it. But sometimes I sleep after and then get up later. Right. I only do 4.30 because I'm like, I'm inspired. I'm, ins- I'm going to keep that at 4.30. Does that mean I wake up at 5 after that or 5.30? Not necessarily. Right. But I know why you have that done. Right. I'll definitely I'll do some searching and find that and uh, link it up in our show notes for our audience for sure. So let's talk about the keto diet. Let's talk about... I don't know, the ins and outs of it. I feel like there's so much to cover here, right? Like clean keto, there's dirty keto. And like you said earlier, there's a lot of just junk on the market, you know, that's claiming to be healthy, but isn't necessarily the case just because it's sugar-free doesn't mean that it's going to be healthy for you. Um, And so, yeah, let's just talk about the keto diet. What do you love about it? How is it helping women to support their hormones and, and really help with hormone regulation? So what I love about the keto diet is the premise of it is really to help people understand the effect of eating too many carbs, especially highly processed, refined carbs, and too much sugar. And because of the effect of, you know, sugar and carbs on our blood insulin, our blood sugar spikes it, insulin stores fat, all the things. I love that. And that helps regulate our hormones and all that and kind of helping your body transition to only burning glucose for fuel to fat for fuel, and also having that flexibility to be able to even do both right later on and like just changing your body and the way your metabolism functions. That's what I really love about it. But what I feel is that it has just become like anything else that gets really popular and mainstream a fad diet. And people aren't looking at it as like, what is the premise here? What am I doing with keto? Am I trying to change my health, improve my health, or am I just trying to lose weight? Right. And so my the way I teach keto, the way I've always approached keto from the beginning, before there was any of this junk food on the market, there was not even almond flour. I think almond flour is maybe like $20 a pound when I started keto. And I'm like, heck no, I'm right. doing that. So I was eating just real whole food, just focusing on good quality protein, good quality fat, vegetables, berries. I wasn't worried about all this stuff that people now worry about, and I got really great results. But I also think with keto, just like anything else, you have to be careful because if you do something for so long, your body adapts. And that's what I think happened to me. My body adapts and it just started, stopped changing. So when I did have those occasions where I would eat carbs traveling or doing or indulging, my body reacted negatively, meaning I would get super bloated. I would feel really terrible because my body was then now has switched over to burning fat for fuel only. It didn't know what to do with the carbs and I had a negative reaction and that could be good. And that could also be bad long term. Right. right. For sure. And the, the benefits, what I love about keto is like when you are in ketosis and you're doing it the right way, eating roll real whole foods, you feel amazing. I can never say in my life I've ever felt better than I do on a ketogenic diet when I'm doing it the right way. And I don't have extreme hormone issues. Sometimes you have to be careful with keto and like cortisol because it is keto is a stressor on your body. For sure. People don't realize that either. So you have to be care. It depends on what hormones. Yes. Insulin. Awesome. Maybe too much cortisol, oh, you have to be careful. Adrenals, oh, be careful, right? You have to do your research and be really careful with that. So there's pros and cons, but again, it's about, we talked about it. It's like that one thing. There's never that one thing. And I feel like women have 
They hear about keto, right? Martha at the office, she lost 10 pounds in a week on keto. I got to do this keto. Right. And they white knuckle it and they buy all that. They go to the store and everything that's labeled keto, they throw in their cart, all the slim fast bars, all the things. And then they're like, why isn't this working? And why do I feel so bloated? And, and, and then they bash it and then they end up just going back to their own or they start again. It's that. And it's, it's like, what, whoa, whoa, hold on, hold on. Just start with what can you do now? Why don't you just start cutting the refined carbs and sugar first? Right. Why don't we just do low hanging fruit? Let's get your body used to that. It's like, again, it's just, it bothers me that it's become this bad diet and and the market and the food companies are taking advantage of it. Totally. And it's becoming something it shouldn't be, something that it wasn't designed to be. Yeah, absolutely. I totally agree. So what are some strategies that you would suggest for somebody, like you mentioned earlier, being able to go from keto, but getting into the state where you can still bring some carbs back in and kind of like find this healthy balance for yourself. Like what, what did that look like for you? Like what was that transition from going to, I guess, sort of being fully keto to, to finding more of this like healthy balance? So actually it's interesting that you asked that question because I'm actually doing an experiment currently on myself with keto carb cycling. And so what I found was like everything I do, I'm just all about biohacking. I'm all like, how can I biohack my nutrition, my diet, my life, my metabolism, all the things. And there, I mean, it's been five years that I've been pretty strict keto. And I'm not going to lie. Like I miss my sweet potatoes. I miss quinoa once in a while. I miss those, like those like oats and Mm -hmm. steel cut oats and stuff of that. And I'm like, you know what? Like there has to be a way for me to still have the benefits of keto but also incorporate some carbs strategically, right? You have to right. be strategic. Absolutely. So I, I work out. So if you're training and you're working out, you have way more wiggle room yes. in the amount of carbs you can eat Absolutely. than someone that just literally sits on the in the desk, on the couch, like sanitary completely. Compl- that is much harder to do that while maintaining weight loss and all the things. Yep. So what I'm doing currently right now, I'm literally like two weeks into it, is I am doing keto carb cycling. So what I do right now, I'm starting really slow. Again, I always tell my clients to start slow. Okay, so I'm starting five days a week, normal keto. When I say normal keto, that's for me around 30 grams of total. I'm not obsessed with the number. I don't count the green. I don't count every lettuce leaf, guys. Come on. It's a vegetable. You'll be okay. Are you talking about 30 grams of carbs? Yeah, thirty grams around 30 grams of total carbs. But when it comes to vegetables like spinach, I'm not like obsessing about those things. Got it. Clean. I'm not, I'm limiting dairy. And then two days a week, my training days, the the days that I know I'm going to train really hard, I up it to 130 grams. So that allows me to now have things like sweet potatoes, quinoa, steel cut oats. I'm experimenting. Like yesterday I had oatmeal with like peanut butter. I was like, oh my God, (laughs) so good. Like I was like a kid. Right. Having candy for the first time, like this is kind of pathetic. Right. <laughs> I, like I just built this. I, I I mean, I have to talk about this. I had carbophobia. For sure. I got so obsessed mm-hmm. with ketosis and being in keto and just counting carbs. I started fearing carbs and the fear that every time I would eat it, I would gain five pounds because I did, because my body was not used, didn't know how to process them because I eliminated them for so long. For sure. So now I'm re I'm now I'm reintroducing them slowly, strategically, allowing my body to learn how to not only 
use fat for fuel, but also glucose to do it together to be normalized and not depend on one or the other. Yeah. That's really good. I love that you're experimenting with yourself and, you know, seeing, seeing what works for you. Cause we are all so individual and, and I can totally relate. Like I'm, I'm in a stage right now where I'm training a lot five days a week and I'm lifting heavier weights. I need carbs. Like some of my workouts are an hour, which wasn't the case before. And if I ate carbs before, well, the amount that I'm eating now, if I ate that before, like I'd just be really tired. Whereas now I'm like, oh my God, I'm so hungry. I like, my body just needs that fuel, right? So it's really about paying attention to your activity level and how your body is going to utilize that energy and that fuel, just like you said, right? Like if I'm sitting on the couch all day and I'm eating carbs all day, I'm not going to feel very good versus being in the gym and training and outside and walking the dog and hiking. The way my cells are going to utilize that insulin is going to be so, so different. Yeah, you're going to use up those carbs. You're not just going to sit there and store it in your body as body fat. That's what I can realize. I was working out all the time on keto, but I was always so tired. I never felt like fit and like I could, I could never really lift hard, hard. Like I was struggling. It's because I was like zero car. I was not having enough carbs to be able to have that ability to have that strength. And so I was like, oh my gosh, I didn't even think about that. Like I was just so in my obsessive nature of keto. Mm -hmm. I didn't even think about that. For sure. For sure. So let's talk about scale weight for a second, because I know, as you know, like it doesn't give you the full picture. And I know so many women get wrapped up on the scale weight when it comes to weight loss. So maybe you can expand on this. Yes. I always say what I say in my uh, membership to my clients is like, the scale is a line B. (laughs) She will lie to you. Do not trust her. Yeah. And this is Mm -hmm. a tough one because we're so like scale culture. Yeah. We're so conditioned. That number. And I am the same way, but I've learned to just use it as one data point. Just one. Yeah. There's a lot of different data points and we want to combine all of them. Yes, we want to track because we want it to be, if we're on our weight loss journey, we want the scale to progressively move down eventually, right? We don't want it to move up, but it's never going to be linear. It's never going to just go one direction. It's always going to go up and down and up and down. However, other data points such as inches, such as how our clothes fit, such as how we feel, such as pictures. I tell my clients all the time, if you're not taking before and after pictures, you're just relying on the scale. You're going to be severely disappointed and you're going to think this program doesn't work. It's not that it doesn't work because I see, I can tell how you're changing. When we like have our calls, I can see your face. I can see your arms. But if you're just looking at that scale, you're never, you're never going to realize any of it. So it's like in a given day, the weight on the scale can fluctuate five pounds. Even worse, if you have issues like me, if you have hormone issues and all the things, the gut stuff, dysbiosis, the bloating, the scale can, it could be eight pounds. I've had an eight pound, an eight pound gain overnight before. I have a, a seven pound gain when I'm on my period. I tell totally. my girls, if you're, if you're giving me your weight on your period, like get out of here. Yeah. You're not, you're not allowed <laughs> to weigh yourself. We do not do weigh-ins on our period week because it's, it is so depressing. And it's like, we have to understand our body's fluctuating a lot of water. So it's like overall in general, yes, we should pay attention to the scale. We should not be obsessed with it. 
you know, I say once a week, but then I, I'm a hypocrite because I always do it. But I just do it because I really want to know how is my body changing based on what I'm eating, drinking, working out. I'm tracking the data for like scientific biohacking reasons. If you are just losing weight and you don't want to get overwhelmed, I say once a week and just look at it one data point. Be like, okay, this is one data point. How about this one? How about my NSVs? How about my clothes? How about my inches? How about my pictures? And put it all together. Be fair with yourself. Right. Stop just focusing on the one thing, the lying bee. <laughs> I love that. Oh, that's so good. I just recently bought a scale for the first time in like, no I don't know, way. 15 years, like maybe more than that. I, oh, yeah, because I was like, if I'm going to start training and getting into this routine, I want the data. That's yeah. all. It was just like, it's I just data. want the data. I'm not interested on stepping on the scale every day. And I also recognize how much my body fluctuates. Like, for example, I'm getting my period any day now. I, I know how I feel my body. I'm holding mm -hmm. on to more water retention. Like, I don't need to step on the scale this week because it's not going to give me the, re uh, you know, I don't want to say necessarily an accurate reading, but I know that there's going to be a fluctuation, right? So versus a couple of days after my period, that weight will be so different versus mm -hmm. when I'm on my period. Yeah, and it's mentally, right? Because yes. during a period, you already feel like crap. Right? right. You already feel like it's so hard to like stay on your routine, on your A game, you're bloated, you have cramps. The worst, why would you want to step on the scale and then see a bunch of like a higher number? Like right. why do that mentally to yourself? It's almost like we're almost like sabotaging ourselves sometimes on purpose. And it's like, just don't do it. Just don't do it. Just don't do it. It's true. It's true. Yeah. I always tell my clients, weigh yourself once a week, pick the same day and the same time, mm -hmm. first thing in the morning. Like, you know, after you go pee in the morning, weigh yourself and, and that's it. Like, just give me your data just, just once a week. And then sometimes I will tell clients, like, listen, if you are getting so hung up on the scale, I want you to literally weigh yourself three times a day for the next seven days. And you can see how insane the fluctuations are. And then, you know, not to just rely on yes. this number. Yes. Yeah. I tell my clients that same exact experiment. It's like literally weigh yourself throughout the day and record yep. it. And then assess and be like, finally realize like, oh, that's what she was talking about. Yes. Because you will see exactly, exactly. And I think people that have the problem, like a problem with obsessive with the scale need to do that experiment because it'll be a really big eye opener for them. Yeah, absolutely. So with weight loss, we know that it's beyond just food and fitness. What are some of the other important factors that women need to, to take into account? So a big one is sleep. I don't think people realize, especially women, how important sleep is to weight loss, to metabolism, to everything. If you're not getting enough sleep, your body is going to be tired. And when our body is tired, what is our body going to like want to search for? Energy. And what's the quickest energy source? Sugar and carbs. So yeah. this is why so many women have so many cravings for carbs and sugar. And they wonder like, I'm doing all the things and nothing is working. I have so much craving. I'm like, okay. What time you go to bed? What time you wake up? Like, what does that have to do with anything? Right. It has to do with everything. So sleep is very important. Okay. And I know that's hard for women with small kids and newborns. It's really hard to do, but you just got to do the best that you can. You got to try to figure it. And if not like taking some naps, like quick naps during the day, whatever you have to figure it out. Sleep is very important. I talked a little bit about stress, but I think that stress is kind of like the big, the big elephant in the room that like. Everyone knows it's there. Everybody knows we have it. Like nobody like 
talks about it because it's like, it's almost like, well, how do you get rid of it? And like, it's so hard to just get rid of it. It's impossible, but there are things that we can do to reduce it. So it's like, I tell my clients all the time, like, what can you do out of your week that can help you mentally kind of relax and unwind, whether that be just like taking a walk around, you know, the block at work, like if you're working right now and you're building or outside your neighborhood or doing things just like breathing exercise or going out with a friend, like doing something to just like relax your mind or to quiet your mind, even like five minutes of meditation, something like that. Because a lot of women, they are so stressed out that like their body's holding on to the weight, right? Because the cortisol is really high and thinks it's in flight or fight and they're not and they're not losing weight. So because they're not losing weight and they're trying to keep the fitness and the diet, they're now really they're getting more stressed out about not losing the weight, <laughs> right. which is then this is exactly what happened to me. And this is why I'm sharing this. I was so stressed out about not losing, like gaining my weight, that it led me to gain more weight because of the stress of not losing the weight. Right. So it's like if we're constantly in that flight or fight, stressed out place, it's going to be super hard for us to lose weight. No matter how little we eat, no matter how much we exercise, the body is just, it wants to be in homeostasis. So things like stress, things like sleep, things like, like mind stuff, like the, the emotional, right? There's trauma stuff. Like that's a whole nother topic. If you have emotional trauma, if you have trauma, you haven't worked from through all that stuff, your body can be using weight as a protective mechanism. All those things, toxins, right? Water, like where your water coming from? What plastics are you using? Containers, those like home oh, no. products, cleaning products, all those little things matter. And it's so hard because there's so much, but it's like, just start with the low hanging fruit. What can you improve today? What can you work on today? What can you make better today? Absolutely. I love that. That's really great. So before I let you go, I want to talk about mindset because it really does play a very big role here when it comes to, I mean, not just weight loss, but just adopting a healthy lifestyle overall. And the fact that you've lost, uh, you know, over 110 pounds and between having two kids, there's definitely some mindset work that I'm sure you had to, to really integrate and to kind of overcome perhaps some of that negative self-talk that showed up. So what did that look like for you? And what advice would you give to the women listening? So it was a journey. And let me tell you, I'm still on it. I'm still on that mindset journey. I think it's a never ending process of like mind work and, and you know personal development, all those things, a lot of brain stuff. I started really, because my struggle was like, I didn't know why I was getting all those negative thoughts. I didn't know why I was thinking so badly of myself. Why I would always beat myself up. Like, you're never going to lose this weight. Oh my God, look at this. this is disgusting. I can't believe you've gained so much weight. You're never going to fit into your clothes. I'm like, oh my God, I would not say this to my worst enemy. And here I am saying it to myself. Right. So first, I think the biggest thing for women is to realize that that is normal. That is how our brain works. Your brain saying doing that to protect you. Your brain just is in survival mode. It does that. It goes, what's the negative? What's the worst case scenario? Let's just keep it safe. Let's like, like guard attack dog mode. For sure. It's part of how we are built as humans, how we evolved. That's how we survived. But we have to understand that it's okay, but we don't have to believe it. Right. We don't have to believe our thoughts just because we think them doesn't mean we have to believe them. It's sometimes hard to stop them. It's okay for them to come. What are you going to do with it? Are you going to let it 
take you over and believe it, or are you going to say, okay, brain, gotcha. Thanks. Cool story, bro. However, <laughs> I'm going to think of this today. And so that it all starts from there, becoming aware, reading all the books about brain science, neurology, neuroplasticity, like Dr. Joe Dispenza dove Love deep him. into all of his stuff. Anything that said brain on it, I was like, give me that. Right. <laughs> right. So understanding that, then it was like the biggest thing that I see women struggle with is they do not have a compelling why. Their why was like, why do you want to lose weight? I want to look sexy naked. Yeah, me right. too. Who right? doesn't? So yeah. On that, what else? So I go through this exercise. I think it's like Stephen Covey's or someone's that like seven layers deep where you ask why, and then you go why late, like deeper and deeper. So if I say, because I want to look sexy, okay, why do I want to look sexy? Because this, and why do I, so you get to the core and that core reason is really the foundation and it's going to drive you. It's when I got to that foundation of my mission, my purpose of why I wanted to be healthy and fit that overcame me on days where I'm on my period. And that box of chocolates is calling my name. That overcame the days where my husband wanted to get pizza for the girls and it looked so, so good. But I was like, that reason got me through those moments because I just wanted to eat like three slices in like two seconds. Right. Right. And looking sexy was not on my priority then, but having that root why. So what I do is I honestly, I, that's why I, every day I put it on paper out of the brain, written it down, like get that everywhere, like post-its everywhere, screenshot on your phone, remind, I constantly remind myself, why am I on this journey? Why is it worth it for me? Because I fail all the time, but my why helps me get up and keep going. So if you have a, if you understand how your brain works and why you're getting those thoughts, you have a compelling why. And then the third thing is surrounding yourself with people and getting plugged into a community. Whether it's actually Samantha's community, my community, any Facebook groups, a paid community. Obviously, paid is better because when you pay, you pay attention. Yes. We all know this, you're right? Committed. That, that's gonna, yeah, you're committed. You got skin in the game. But if you can't right now, you can't afford it. Even a free community, getting that accountability, getting with, surrounded with like-minded women that have the same goals, they're going through the same struggles because it can be a lonely, lonely journey. Yeah. I felt sometimes like, oh my God, nobody understands what I'm going through. Once I joined a group and hired someone, got coaching, I'm like, oh my God, I'm not the only one struggling. If she can do it, I can do it. Getting that inspiration, those three things are probably the key to be able for me to be able to lose over 110 pounds. And for me on my journey back from like the 20 pound gain, this is what I'm doing to get myself back, doing those three things. That's amazing. I really love you for sharing your story. It's so powerful. And I know so many women can relate to you. So where can they find you and connect with you? Yeah. So my site is bsbtribe.com and that stands for bringing sexy back. <laughs> I love it. Uh, yeah, I don't know. When I got the idea, I'm like, oh my God, this is awesome. Now I'm like, this is a little cliche, whatever. <laughs> also, you can Instagram, always change yeah, it. I know, I can you always, always change can, it. But I think but, it's uh, great. but I'm like, you know what? It's okay for now. So that's bsbtribe.com. Also, uh, Instagram at bsbtribe. And then I also have a podcast called the Fit Mom Squad Podcast, which I talk all about weight loss and health and all the things for fit moms. Amazing. Well, we will have all of that in the show notes. Our audience can go grab that there. 
Thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you. This was amazing. Thanks, Samantha. No problem. My pleasure. Thank you so much for tuning into the podcast today. I really hope you got a lot of value from our episode and my interview with Lesha. You can connect with her over on Instagram at Eat Be Fit Explore, as well as her website, bsbtribe.com. I will have all of this in the show notes. So head on over to our website, holisticwellness.ca forward slash episode 138. And of course, you can leave us ratings and reviews on any podcast platform you listen to us on. They always mean so much and I love reading them. And it also means it helps us to get the show out to more women and support them in healing their health and their hormones. Thanks for tuning in today. I'll connect with you all next week. Have an awesome day. Bye.